All right, you are listening to a special Windsor's Inside Pulse midweek edition. This is November 27th, and you're going to be listening to the latest news, views, and opinions. We recorded our show two days ago, uh, three days ago, and I got to tell you, so much news has happened since then that the, the co-hosts got together and said, we've got to put something on right now, especially with all the political dynamics going on in Windsor-Essex. So please remember to like us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Uh, again, we are recording right now, Friday, November 27th at 5 p.m., and uh, we have a very special guest. We are After our guest, we are going to be talking about the single sports betting news, Anthony Liardi defeating Chris Vanderdoel in an Essex PC nomination, about the insourcing, a county recycling collection. We're going to talk about these issues uh, as our special bonus feature. But right now, we've got probably the best guest you can get because it's so timely and it's such breaking news uh, that's really going to change, I think, the political landscape, is we have... Andrew Dowie. Andrew Dowie just got acclaimed as the PC Ontario Windsor Tecumseh candidate. My name is Al Tashuba, co-hosting with Daniel Lablisser and Christine Brooks. And we have Andrew Dowie with us. Andrew, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me and uh, good evening to, or morning or afternoon to all of the audience listening to Windsor's Inside Pulse. I'm delighted to be here. It was a very exciting night uh, a couple of days ago where I, I couldn't believe the amount of introductions and so many people saying, you know, the, the skills and the quality that we all know you have anyways and your accolades and your uh, service to Windsor-Essex for so many years. But we're going to give you a chance to say that and then we're going to talk about these intros, whether these intros were courtesies or are they actually endorsements, because if they're endorsements, this really changes the political landscape. All right. So, Andrew, Andrew uh, please tell us about yourself for our audience, uh, where you're at and your position and anything you want to say for the next two minutes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. So, uh, so hi to everybody. For many of you, especially those in the city of Windsor and, and uh, elsewhere, uh, I'm not a household name uh, unless you're, you listen to CKLW regularly or, or local news. Uh, because uh, quite honestly, uh, I come from the town of Tecumseh, which is just to the east. Uh, I'm 39 years old, and I've spent the vast majority of my life here in Tecumseh. Uh, and so because we are Tecumseh, we don't often hear a lot coming out of the town. Uh, that's actually one of our challenges in, in, the, in the town, getting word out, because uh, there isn't a whole lot of news coverage. Uh, but I, I am 39 years old. Uh, I went to uh, Lasore High School, St. Margaret de Duville and St. Antoine in, in Allen Tecumseh. And actually, I, uh, I was so uh, stubborn as a teenager. Uh, and who would have thought uh, teenagers could be stubborn? Uh, I thought I could move the world. And I decided to do my university in French. Uh, so I went got, uh, to the University of Ottawa. Uh, I uh, took my courses in French, uh, and uh, even though I don't have any family that are French, uh, so I'm a uh, Francophile, uh, or Francophile, if I'm going to use my Windsor accent, and, uh, and I actually introduced uh, the Windsor area to a lot of uh, Quebecers and New Brunswickers and Northern Ontario uh, students. Uh, they, they hadn't heard of our area, so it was very delightful to uh, speak of our area and speak positively. And that was where I first really understood our brand uh, and perception. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll pick up on that in just a, a couple of seconds. Uh, I, when I finished uh, my, uh, my education, I came back, I got a job uh, working at Windsor City Hall in the engineering department. 
uh, started in 2006 and uh, slowly uh, went through the ranks, uh, may maybe not so slowly. I I've had a number of positions at the city. I uh, started out as a, as a, uh, as a junior engineer, then uh, intermediate engineer. I moved to trans transportation planning. I did uh, traffic policy for, uh, for a while. Uh, then I went to the chief administrative office. I worked on files such as the auditor general uh, and, uh, and a corporate reorganization. Uh, then after that, uh, I joined uh, the office of Mayor Eddie Francis. I was with him for two and a half years. Uh, what a delightful uh, opportunity and uh, what a salesperson Mayor Francis was. Most uh, residents will never see the kind of, uh, the kind of passion and the kind of uh, messaging he gave. I honestly, uh, I can't speak highly enough of, uh, of the former mayor and uh, how he made us look uh, in a very, very positive way. He found, he can find the diamond in the rough and make it uh, and sell it. Uh, there's no one can do it like him. I've never witnessed anything since. And that was such a delightful opportunity to, to learn from him. Uh, when I decided to run for uh, city council, sorry, town council, I did all right for city council uh, in Tecumseh, it was in large part because of my uh, experience with uh, Mayor Francis, seeing uh, what, what one person could do to, to really bring up your community. And uh, so uh, that was a case where I had zero profile. Uh, I, I had been participating in some municipal committees, Committee of Adjustment and Property Standards Committee and the Library Board. Uh, but uh, I went door to door uh, and uh, miraculously, uh, starting from nowhere and six months into the campaign, really, uh, I ended up with first place uh, as my finish, uh, which was shocked the heck out of me. I was convinced I'd lost. I've worked on enough uh, campaigns to uh, know yeah, yeah, how to do voter ID, and my voter ID was saying that uh, I'd lost. And, uh, and sure enough, my voter ID was actually correct. What I didn't factor in was the how that would split. Uh, so uh, I ended up in first place, uh, and I, uh, I was so amazed. Uh, I've never forgotten the generosity and, of, of the people of Tecumseh and Ward 1 who uh, put their faith in me, and I hope I've done them proud uh, since that time. And uh, in 2018, uh, I sought re-election in a redistributed Ward 1. It, it's a lot smaller. It's about a third of the size. Uh, but uh, I ended up being acclaimed into that seat. Uh, but that I didn't know until well into the, uh, the overall campaign. I'd already started door knocking. I'd been door knocking for a few months when I found out I'd been acclaimed. And I finished my door knocking. I knocked on every door uh, once again. Uh, which, uh, you know, I, I, I never want to take anything for granted, but it was also a valuable experience uh, to uh, see how I was doing, getting feedback from uh, the residents, and uh, I, they had a lot to share with me, and, uh, uh, but it's the best way of getting to know your constituents by far. Uh, so separately from that, separately, separately from my political career, uh, I, I do try to do a lot in the community. I'm currently the group commissioner for the 35th Company Scout Group, uh, uh, so I've been uh, a leader, or now we call it scouter, with uh, Scouts Canada since 2006. I've done uh, virtually all the different age groups, uh, and uh, now I'm uh, I do more of the risk management and uh, working with the adults side. Uh, and uh, I also I'm still on the the Essex County Library Board. Uh, I sit on Destination Ontario, uh, which is the provincial uh, tourism marketing partnership. 
I'm on the uh, the, the board of the, uh, or sorry, the council of the uh, land surveyors, Association of Ontario Land Surveyors. And uh, I'm a professional engineer uh, and part of the uh, PEO Windsor Essex chapter. Uh, and uh, they've inducted me into the uh, Order of Honor and uh, named me a Fellow of Engineers Canada. And I've also received, as a younger engineer, the uh, G. Gordon M. Sterling Award. So uh, that's an organization near and dear to me. Uh, they've treated me very well, and uh, I've had a great experience with them. I've also gone through Leadership Windsor Essex. That was 2007-2008. Uh, and uh, that, so that was uh, also a great experience. Learned a bit about community leadership. Uh, they recognized me as their alumni of uh, distinction in 2018 and one of the 40 leaders under 40. And so I think uh, at home, I'll, I'll add in, uh, I have a great home, great household. My, uh, my girlfriend, Mary Bailey's here, as well as my two cats, Harper and Findlay. Uh, and uh, I've got a very supportive uh, extended family as well. Uh, my brother, Jim, uh, my sister-in-law, Sarah, nephews, Marshall and Bryce, my mom, Mary Jo Dowie. Uh, so uh, they're all Tecumseh residents. And I also have a lot of extended family in the town of Riverside or former town of Riverside within the city of Windsor limits. So I know Riverside extremely well from spending so much time walking uh, through the streets, walking to a &P, walking to uh, Realtor Park, et cetera. Uh, so uh, I, I feel I know this riding extremely well and uh, that I think sums it all up. Andrew, that was a great intro and a great bio and it backs up what I had said that said that you're very qualified to take this position. Uh, being a town councillor twice and it's funny about the acclamation. The second time, I think you started door knocking. People said, Andrew's going to win anyways. Why waste any money? Go to a different board. You win that one. And you put your name forward for the PC party. And I'm sure many people were scratching their head and saying, you know what? Who's going to be better than that? So at the end of the day, you're acclaimed again. And you can just hit the ground running and start working. So congratulations. That was on Wednesday. I want to talk about the amount of people that led up uh, to... Uh, to before you were officially acclaimed and gave your speech. I mean, we were watching it. It just happened to be that uh, the Windsor West Riding Associations for the PC Ontario and, and the federal, we were having our monthly meeting at the Holiday Inn Conference Room. We had the big screen. We had you lined up, and we couldn't believe how many introductions. Now, we weren't surprised with Monty McNaughton. Uh, Monty's terrific. Uh, Rick Nichols, obviously, Mayor Dilkins leads conservative, knows your work apparatus. Uh, certainly, Anthony Liardi, the new candidate, a PC Ontario candidate in Essex. We're going to talk about him uh, after we depart for our show. But these were well-known endorsements and all the PC candidates. But when we saw Gary McNamara, I mean, Gary is a uh, traditional liberal. And for him to come on and give you such a stellar introduction, I've got to ask, is this an introduction or is this an endorsement? of your campaign or is it somewhere in between? Uh, I, I would characterize it as an endorsement. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for uh, Mayor McNamara. And uh, when uh, I, I asked him uh, if uh, he uh, might uh, be able to support me, he indicated wholeheartedly. Uh, and not only uh, is, uh, is Mayor McNamara with me, uh, so are every single member of my uh, town council. Uh, so I'll, they all have uh, different uh, membership cards, uh, right. either lapsed or active, but uh, 
honestly, we, we get along extremely well as a Tecumseh Town Council, and we have respectful disagreements, but we definitely respect one another. I, I have the utmost of respect for Mayor McNamara. He's a phenomenal leader, has vision. Uh, he knows exactly where we need to go. And quite honestly, the stewardship he has demonstrated for our municipality has been second to none. And we have a great asset management program. Uh, we have uh, so much that happened before I even got there uh, that, that brought our municipality into the 21st century. From vision, it, hard work, uh, you know, often unpopular decisions like, uh, like tax hikes to pay for asset management, but uh, he did them. Uh, and uh, we're far better off for it. And so, uh, you know, I, I really have to commend uh, Gary for his endorsement because at the end of the day, he is the uh, mayor of the township of Tecumseh. And what is for the greater good party ideology or party loyalty, if he was lo loyal to the Liberal Party? At the end of the day, if he can get Andrew Dowie, MPP, representing Windsor Tecumseh, and the next Doug Ford, probably likely another majority government because he's polling over 65%. That is the best representation you can have to have your riding MPP be right at Queen's Park at the decision-making table and making decisions where funding goes and bringing up the issues of your riding and your township uh, that you also represent. So kudos to all of your town councillors and, and to Gary McNamara and everyone else who's endorsed you because for the greater good of our region, we have to be at the next governing table. The NDP representation, in my opinion, uh, I've said this many times, uh, it's just ideological, but not at the governing table. Can't get things done. So kudos to everyone who did endorse you, and I'm going to pass it over to uh, to Daniel. Yeah, so again, thank you uh, for joining us, Andrew. Maybe, maybe I'll ask you uh, a bit about where things stand today in Windsor Tecumseh. So you're currently a, uh, a town councillor, but you're uh, you're seeking to become the uh, the MPP, which of course deals with provincial issues. So uh, I know you talked a bit about the mega hospital in your acclamation speech, but are there other issues uh, on your radar that you think it's important to have a, uh, uh, that you think you will uh, be addressing if uh, if you're elected? Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, the, the hospital is by far the number one need. Uh, what I mean, look, why uh, I think we've all had, uh, you know, very, very special uh, or uh, trying times in in the hospital facilities. I think what really uh, showed me the healthcare system and our hospitals was when my dad uh, was sick uh, and uh, spending eight, nine hours a day, just myself uh, with him, uh, whether it was at the Ouellette campus or, or, or the uh, Metropolitan campus. And that, you know, it, you can only do so much with, with old facilities. Uh, we've, we've seen across Ontario far, uh, far more different facilities that have uh, the latest in technology, better infection control mechanisms, uh, and uh, just an opportunity to deliver better healthcare. So we have a lot of family members in our community who might not get as sick and could be with us for a lot longer uh, with uh, a modern facility. And I know one of the, you know, when my dad passed away, um, you know, the, I think it is uh, inevitable uh, when, when you're, you're sick, uh, you know, there, the, your, 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 your chances may, may dwindle a little bit, but, you know, you get a lot of hope. Uh, when, and faith in, 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 in the staff. And, you know, they want to have the hope too. Um, 
if, if they can reduce infections, if they can reduce the contact with, with uh, other, other illnesses that, that are part of the environment there, then they can give that hope in a more certain way and we can, we can spend more time with our loved ones in, in trying times. So that, that, that really is a big driver for me. I, I, I think we need this facility today uh, and we need to get going with the phase two funding. And honestly, this is, this is something I wanna fight for. Uh, and I, I don't feel that uh, just, I, I don't feel that, that the, the province really understands yet how important this is to us. And uh, I, 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 you know, as a political enthusiast, I'm not sure that the message has been articulated uh, how important this is so far by uh, to to our provincial officials. So what better way uh, is there than to have someone in government advocating for this uh, this facility? So uh, with that, uh, that's my number one issue. I mean, that aside, uh, I've lived here said all my life uh, in the region. And uh, employment has been uh, the top challenge uh, uh, as long as I can remember. We have hills and valleys in our employment situation. We get hit by recessions harder than the rest of the country. It takes us longer to get out of them and, and that we're always so vulnerable. This is where there, there are a lot of policy implications at play that could uh, positively impact our area. Uh, we don't have choices in employment here in large part because uh, we we just we have a maybe a philosophy of centralization uh, that 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 happens at the provincial level uh, where we want to centralize specialties at different universities or centralize uh, government functions in the in the capital city. Uh, federal government has a bit of a different philosophy and the province did follow some decentralization to a point, but they cut that off right when Windsor was to get its due with the Ministry of Labor and WSIB. So uh, the, 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 the economy can thrive with some more stable jobs uh, that keep us going and also by decentralizing uh, the opportunities by encouraging a diversity of, of economic outputs in communities like ours so that youth don't have to leave us, uh, that youth don't have to find uh, their dreams somewhere else. They can find them right here. And with a remote world, I, honestly, I think we have got a great opportunity to do that with, uh, with electronic resources now. And that's where provincial leadership can certainly come to play. Uh, the, the, the other main one that I know very well is on our infrastructure. I design infrastructure, uh, I work in the systems and uh, you know, no one made any mistakes in the past uh, in, in the grand scheme of things. We are facing a different environment, and we can all debate as to how that that came about. But uh, you know, wh whether it's climate change or or just you know, record keeping or or understanding of the science, but but at the end of the day, we have we we have a lot of work that we know needs to happen, and the property tax base cannot. Uh, fund all of that. It's uh, property taxation is a regressive uh, form of taxation, and there just isn't enough of it to go around at the municipal level, given all that it has to take care of. So whether it's roads and sewers, uh, or highways, or just on on our infrastructure that sustains our economy, 
uh, I want to be able to fight for uh, that kind of uh, investment in our area that we seem to see in other places, uh, like billions in investments in many cases. We, yes, we had the Herb Gray Parkway, which is a viable project, um, but you, you look at Highway 3, uh, you know, um, it's, it's terrific that Premier Ford has announced its expansion. Uh, that project sat dormant for 10 years. Uh, so uh, that you're on Church Road, it's finally getting redone with through the Connecting Links program. Get that that was looking pretty sad for quite a long time. Uh, so we are uh, we, we we need fighters who are going to make the case for investing in our area, and also someone who knows government that can know how to advocate for these these programs properly. And so that's what I want to do. Even even should I get elected and, and the government fall, but I still get elected, you, you can count on me to work with whoever the government is to probably advocate for these these kinds of these kinds of investments because it's not a partisan issue to to do asset management and to take care of what needs to be taken care of before it completely falls apart and has disastrous consequences. Uh, and I mean, I could go on all night and so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there, but uh, that's, I guess, a sense of what I'm all about and what I'd like to achieve at Queen's Park. Merci beaucoup. I'm very, very proud to, you know, that uh, a former student of Lesso is presenting themselves at the, at the next elections for, uh, to get this MPP uh, for as um, for MPP. So my question is really you've answered it, I think, but I will simply ask because the question had to do with your experience and you did tell us uh, quite a bit about all the experience you have had, but I'd like you to say what will distinguish you really from other candidates that may present themselves in uh, the competition to become member of uh, the provincial parliament. Well, uh, thank you. Great question. Uh, I think what what oh, well, what comes to mind immediately is I've been in the customer service business uh, uh, as a problem solver since uh, since I began my career. I mean, my task, my job that I'm employed for is resolving issues or identifying issues and finding a solution to them. Uh, that kind of skill set can be transferred to any number of of areas. Uh, that's how I, I left engineering and got into economic development and into the into this uh, municipal administration, uh, mm -hmm. because I, I brought problem solving skills uh, that uh, could be applied anywhere. And my engineering background uh, definitely assists me with that. Uh, it also allows me to take a little bit of the uh, emotion out of things, uh, because uh, honestly, I don't want to waste people's time. On, uh, on, on false hopes and false starts. Uh, I'm gonna be upfront and say what is achievable and what's not. And uh, I'm, I guess that's also a, a plus. I, I do have a, a pretty solid career uh, that, you know, if I need to go back to it, I will. Uh, and uh, and I, I really enjoy it. And uh, so I don't, I, I, I'm not looking to, I just keep everyone happy. I'm here to leave a legacy of positive impact that that I can I can look back and say this was a net positive net gain for my community. And 
you know, if, if that end, ends up ending my political career, um, so be it, because I have a great engineering career, great volunteer career uh, ahead. So you can count on me to uh, give you the, the, the straight goods. Be I am certainly empathetic uh, and I want to listen. And that's something that I find a lot of politicians um, don't, don't really do. Um, and I don't mean that they don't read, but that they don't maybe ask questions to understand. And, and on, the, on the flip side, if you listen and don't agree, that doesn't mean you're not listening either. Uh, but I, I think that's a differentiating uh, mark on my part. Certainly my experience in government, working in government, navigating government, and knowing who to call uh, I think that I've got a head start. I, I know who does what. Uh, and I've, I already deal with many bureaucracies in my day job. Uh, and that's what an MPP, really their bread and butter is, helping uh, citizens uh, resolve their individual files, social services files, uh, labor files, uh, justice files. I mean, these, everything comes across the desk. And, and I, I know where to go. And I, I, you know, being a bureaucrat, I, I kind of feel I, I know how to how to get through. So that's uh, that that's a big one. Uh, and certainly, being an elected official at the municipal level, uh, you you really learn uh, how uh, people, uh, you know, how how people feel about their elected officials, and what they can do for them. And uh, I, I'd like to think that I've I've done my utmost uh, to to help my residents. Uh, and uh, I'd like to continue doing the same at the provincial level for, a, for an even larger constituency. So, Andrew, I want to take it from where Christine mentioned your skill set and comparing yourself to other candidates. So definitely on a skill set, you bring a whole new dynamic of being an engineer and having infrastructure as well as your experience as a town councillor and all the endorsements and everybody stating how just how talented you are in able uh, to serve and certainly having a level of expertise on infrastructure and on funding and so forth. But from a political aspect, unfortunately, there's a lot of name recognition. And I can tell you that in 2013, when I was helping Rob Dervitai uh, knock on doors out in Windsor to come see, the experience out there is like, I'm voting for Percy. I'm voting for Percy. And we're like, well, how about this party instead? And they're like, I don't care what party is, it's Percy. Percy Hadfield is a legend. I mean, he was with the CBC. Everybody loved him. Everybody trusted him. They saw him in his living rooms. And Percy won handily. And at the end of the day, if we are talking about a race with Percy Hatfield, it's going to be extremely difficult. But I think one of the best kept secrets is that Percy's retiring. So this is going to be a non-incumbent riding where I think, Andrew, you're going to be the front runner. Uh, Remy might jump in again. I don't know who the NDP is going to put in, but certainly they're going to push very hard and they certainly have uh, their traditional support. So how do you see the race playing out, not from a skill set, not from people going to everyone's well website and saying, who's going to be the best talented person for the job? Because I think you'd win hands down, but just from an overall political dynamic of how trends are going, and uh, the shape of the election coming forward with regards to polit uh, political parties. Well, uh, th thank you, Al. That's a, that's also a great question, and uh, you know, you're absolutely right about Percy Hatfield. Uh, what a what a gentleman, and what a an impeccable person. And I'd also call him a a, a friend. Uh, uh, he has been just a a tremendous uh, uh, mentor. Uh, and and someone who's who's shown me the utmost of respect in my municipal uh, political career, 
And so uh, I, uh, I have nothing but uh, great uh, words to say about him. And ultimately, I don't know how anyone could, uh, could defeat Percy Hatfield. He has proven himself as a, as, as a very decent individual uh, who is uh, someone who cares and who will listen uh, and uh, who makes a great deal of effort. Uh, so I, the, the main difference that I would uh, say would be I'd like to do exactly what Percy did in terms of uh, being a personable individual who's approachable, and I want to combine it with the, uh, the experience in government and the ability to be a part of a government, and that's where being a progressive conservative candidate is, uh, gives me that opportunity uh, because they are making a sincere attempt to uh, reach a, a broad spectrum of, of Ontario residents in their messaging and in their their uh, platform. So uh, with that, how does the the, the race uh, lead up? Uh, I mean, I'm the appears to be I'm the first out the gate to declare my intentions for this riding. Uh, so you know, I th I'd like to. Th I'm almost of the mind that uh, the other parties may not even have even started. Uh, down the road or their their very early days uh so uh i i really don't know who who might come out uh i mean you got to look at the federal situation uh what happened there uh there was a seat flip and the order of the winners changed uh from from the previous election so I, all parties have to be looking at this seat and saying we think that we can win this uh, and certainly the Progressive Conservative Party uh, has made it clear to me uh, that uh, they have a sincere interest in winning this seat. Uh, so that is, uh, so I, I think you are going to see a conservative campaign like no other in Winter Tecumseh, uh, that they, you are going to see uh, that they, they, they are sincere about wanting to make inroads in the city of Windsor and in Tecumseh and, and in our region as a whole. And uh, that will be demonstrated. And whether that's replicated by the other parties remains to be seen. But I think you're going to get to know a lot. Your Windsor rights will get to see a lot of this, uh, this government in the near future. Uh, and uh, I think demonstrated by the, the continued visits by Stephen Del Duca that I've seen, uh, I believe that they're also working on trying to get a, a good, a solid candidate. And they certainly have their eye on the seat as it had been uh, had been won by the federal Liberal Party. Uh, the New Democrats obviously hold the seat, uh, and undoubtedly they will be trying to find uh, a candidate who is of a uh, similar stature to uh, Percy Hatfield if uh, Miss, if uh, MPP Hatfield uh, chooses not to run again. Which uh, certainly that's uh, I, I guess it's this will also uh, be an open secret. I certainly hope that uh, he is not the NDP candidate because uh, certainly makes my uh, my effort uh, a lot tougher because uh, you know just it's you just it's just that he's that kind of individual that people really really like and uh, and he really uh, is is just a phenomenal person so uh, I, I see this as being a very competitive race and you're going to see a lot of interest in this from all three parties uh, and uh, I'd love to know who the the other parties may be putting forward so I can get to know them and chat with them and uh, have a good civil race uh, in 2022. Yes well uh 
2020, talking about 2020 rather than 2022, history books will talk about 2020 for a long, long time. And this is a date that students in the future may actually have to learn by heart or they'll just know it by heart. Um, I mean, this has been quite a year. I noticed that the Christmas ornaments out there are showing, you know, worst year ever and all kinds of negative things. And some are kind of funny as well, uh, talking about things that you can hang on to your tree uh, that talk about 2020. Um, Doug Ford, in my personal opinion, has done a tremendous uh, uh, effort given the circumstances, but it's a tough, tough job to have to be a politician during a pandemic. This is not something that one chooses. Oh, let me think what I'd like to be, you know, uh, what to happen during my time as a politician. And yet here you are and you're presenting yourself uh, right during the pandemic and knowing that in fact, what will ensue from the pandemic is a very complex uh, situation. We do not know yet how things are going to evolve exactly, how we are going to get out of it exactly, and what the long-term effects will have been. I know that personally, I think that it's obvious that there is a mental health issues, there are mental health issues that are coming out of the pandemic, that it's very heavy for many, many people. Many people are talking about Christmas having uh, lightening up the, some of the constraints because people, the, the isolation, especially for individuals who live alone, is extremely heavy. For, for the elderly, it's been very heavy. For so many people, not to be able to bury your dead properly and with people around you, there are so many things and so many facets to this problem. How do you see that this, you will be the person to lead us out of the pandemic? Well, I thank you for that. That's a great question. And I, I will point right up to the premier. I can't think of a better show of empathy for all of the different uh, circumstances that COVID-19 has brought than, than what he has demonstrated. Uh, you know, you know the, the, these regulations are incredibly tough on everybody. I mean, my, my grandmother uh, is, at, uh, is, is, is at a senior's home and I'd love to be able to visit her because there isn't, anybody left uh, in her circle. And now she's been isolated since the month of March. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, and uh, vir virtually everything that's out there that's happening right now uh, is, is to protect our public health. And there are consequences to that. So I'll, I'll go back to that. I'm a solutions person. Uh, I, I wanna take the constraints that are in front of us and look for the best ways of getting through them. Uh, that's that's kind of the engineering way. Uh, you, you you have a limited budget, or you have a limited piece of property, or limited materials. So here, the the limits are may, maybe a bit less tangible, uh, but uh, they're they're still there. But you know, we we make do with limits all the time. So what's the best way to uh, have the freedom and the the ability to help our our families and our friends with those limits? So my my skill set can absolutely. Uh, be, uh, be, be leveraged for that in, in crafting legislation, considering legislation. Sometimes legislation could have unintended consequences. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that's certainly where I'd like to play a big role. 
uh, in, in assisting the, the provincial government and bringing us back to a sense of, uh, of normalcy and, and growth uh, for, for ourselves and our ability to, uh, to care for one another. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, this has been a really detailed interview, Andrew. You've uh, you've uh, answered some great questions, and I think also uh, played pundit on your own uh, on your own upcoming election eighteen months out from now. So, uh, but what I'll ask you to do is maybe you know let's assume we're now into April May twenty twenty, and uh, and I, and I've got a, a pot of pasta boiling over, and you come and knock on my door, and you've got sixty seconds to tell me why I should vote for you. So uh, so take that sixty seconds and tell me why you should be the next uh, MPP for Windsor Tecumseh. Uh, thank you, Daniel. And uh, so uh, to the, the voters, uh, you'll be hearing this a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm running for MPP because I want to I want to be a solutions driven politician representing the area in a government advocating for us. Uh, I want to leverage my skills to give you customer service in provincial issues. It's tough to navigate the bureaucracy. This is where I have direct working experience, and I can help uh, make this more palatable dealing with uh, government services. Uh, I have experience at the municipal level dealing with neighborhood issues. Uh, so I, I feel your pain too. I pay taxes, I, I pay hydro bills. And this is something that uh, I I'm go in every single day thinking about. What is the impact of my decisions on you and your ability to provide for your family. So elect me and I will help as much as I can within a government and advocate for us among the decision makers because otherwise, if, if we're not part of government, it's gonna be a lot more difficult to be heard and to have our needs recognized and addressed. Well, I think uh, you, you managed to get in before my uh, pasta pot boiled over, so that was good. Uh, is there anything else uh, you wish to add before we sign off? How can uh, how can people get a hold of you uh, to find more information if they want? Okay, well, that's uh, right now. We can go to uh, uh, a number of sources. My Facebook page just opened up uh, for the campaign. It is a Windsor to come or Andrew Dowie Windsor to come see PC. That's the name of the Facebook page. My phone number uh, will change at some point, but for the time being, it is uh, 226-773-1910. Uh, that's my municipal hotline that I, that I, that I own and, and uh, operate, but I am certainly available for anyone who wants to call me. Uh, also, Andrew at andrewdowie.ca. Again, uh, that's a way to reach me for the time being. There will be something more fitting for a partisan campaign in the future, but uh, I am a scout wise in the use of all resources, and I have these resources that are here right now uh, that are available to be leveraged. Uh, and uh, the Windsor Tecumseh PC Association, their website will probably evolve to be one more, uh, more election ready in the future, and that's windsortecumseh.ontariopc.ca. And I'll have a, 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 a sleeker domain name than that as well. 
uh, that that's got my name in it at some point. Uh, it, many have been reserved. I just need to pick which one it'll be. Well, I'm I'm sure you'll do a great job uh, communicating with residents. I know I followed the uh, the way that you communicate with people about what's going on at council through Twitter and through uh, other social media since you've been elected. I think that uh, locally, you and well the MP for uh, for the uh, riding that you're looking to represent. I think we're uh, two of the best people to do that as councillors. So I'm sure that you well, will do you. a great job. Uh, uh, continuing to communicate with people and uh, you know I, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us today on Windsor's Inside Pulse we uh, we all wish you well in this campaign um, and we, we hope that you'll come back to chat with us more about this campaign uh, 17 18 months from now as we get closer to uh, election day and maybe uh, maybe 17 months from now the other parties will have nominated a candidate like they usually do about 30 days out before the election um, and we would invite them on our show as well and yes. I gotta tell you I mean, we're an informative show, but at the end of the day, Andrew, it might not just be April 2021, you're knocking on doors. You could be doing that in April 2022, because we're talking about blue in 22, as Anthony Liardi had a big banner behind him when he was inaugurated. And Windsor, to come, Windsor West is also looking to put up somebody uh, dynamic. And at the end of the day, the things change in politics. We haven't had a, a blue representative in, since Ivan Thrasher in, in the Windsor region, uh, We've excited from Essex. So Things are going to change. I think you've expressed your platform and your ideas extremely well, Andrew. I think you're ready to roll. So uh, we, of course, uh, as Al mentioned, we have an open door uh, for all candidates and elected officials. Anytime you want to talk, give us a shout and come on our show. Uh, we once again thank Andrew for joining us today. We're going to take a bit of a break, let Andrew go so we can talk about him behind his back uh, and discuss other topics uh, that we promised earlier. So uh, we're going to take our break. We'll be right back. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all the listeners for uh, for stick, sticking with me tonight. And we are back. And again, thank you to Andrew Dowie for joining us. So we're going to talk about a few issues. Let's first uh, go around the horn here, talk about uh, his interview and just the uh, the announcement generally as to his candidacy. I'll give my comments a second. We did talk about this a bit on Tuesday, but Al, uh, Al, you're the, uh, you're the, uh, well, I guess you're both conservatives, so I'll be the non-conservative for the day, but Al, uh, give us uh, your, your thoughts. We talked about this a bit Tuesday, but tell us some more from what you heard today and what you heard from the actual nomination. All right. So first of all, I want to thank Andrew again. I mean, we, we were looking like for a 10 or 15 minute congratulatory introduction and really to talk about all the great endorsements he got. I didn't know he was going to be that ready, that quick for policy discussions and having a vision and knowing how he's going to work with people. I mean, he's very, very well versed. And I, I guess that's just a testament to his experience. And uh, just knowing the region that well, he seems very, very comfortable. I think the key point on all of this is the Percy Hatfield factor. If Percy is in, he's got such tremendous respect and name recognition that it's going to be a battle. But you know what? I, I, I hope Percy feels that, you know what? He's had a terrific career. Uh, he's got a terrific legacy. People love him. And just let the next generation give guys like Andrew Dowie a chance to get in there and use his energy and skills to, uh, to try to advance Windsor to come see. And I think that's the main thing. If Percy is out, I'm making the prediction right here, Andrew Dowie wins. He, I, I, it doesn't matter to me which, which candidate the NDP will put up or the Liberals. Andrew Dowie is the real deal. He's authentic. He's, he's got tons of endorsements, lots of skills, and I think he wins. And he should win, especially to be part of the governing table of the next Doug Ford majority or minority government, both hopefully majority again. Christine, your thoughts, and then I'll jump in with some thoughts. 
Yes, well, um, I'm very excited. As a, a, a member of the Conservative Party in this area, uh, I'm with Windsor West, of course, and, and Andrew Dowie with Windsor Tecumseh. Um, I'm very excited because I can see that uh, it's, uh, it's within uh, reach at this point and that, uh, in fact, uh, it could happen this time that uh, Andrew takes it. And uh, this is very exciting. I know we've had, uh, we have a conservative with uh, at the uh, at the federal level, and Chris uh, is uh, is there, but in uh, Windsor in Essex. But at the same time, I think uh, it's uh, it's Im Im important to note that there hasn't been one for a very long time, over fifty years, in this area. So I think this is exciting. I think you have a young man who's very excited to be a candidate who has um, uh, really thought about why he is running and what he would like to see and how he would like to help build a future. And I think this is exciting. Someone who um, realizes that things don't just fall into place and we don't have to simply keep on, um, you know, keep on putting the cogs in the same places, but in fact, you mold into something new that is really adjusting to the 21st century. And I think that part of it is very exciting. So no one better than an engineer as well. So I'm very excited. I think this is something that uh, is to look forward to uh, 18 months from now. Yeah. I, I think to uh, my, my comments are, I mean, Al, you mentioned uh, the, the Percy factor, and I think that certainly that is uh, maybe the biggest factor, as I, th as I think Andrew, uh, Andrew acknowledged, um, this will be a different race with Percy in versus Percy out. But I think to me, and we talked about this a bit on Tuesday, I think that the other, uh, the, the other big news outside of who Andrew is, is that Mayor McNamara has endorsed him. And I think that that is at, that you cannot understate the, the importance of that. Yeah, it's, it's not surprising that uh, Mayor Dilkins will support him. He's worked at City Hall. He's known to Mayor Dilkins. Um, but I mean, Mayor McNamara is a true red liberal. And I, I say that it's, uh, it, it's important for two reasons. One, um, because, you know, I think that Mayor McNamara's, uh, Mayor McNamara may be able to, uh, you know, strongly vouch for Andrew and help him just like he did for Eric. But two, you know, in terms of who the liberals could put up to, uh, to win this race, I see only two, you know, two potential people there that would be really strong candidates. There will be others that may be strong candidates, but two really strong candidates and, uh, Mayor McNamara was one of them. So by him endorsing Andrew, he ain't running. Um, so I, I think that that is the other really big piece of this. And, and I do think that this is going to be an, an exciting race. I'm, uh, you know, I'm quite impressed by Andrew. He's very thoughtful. Um, you know, frankly, he spent 35, 40 minutes with us, uh, going into pundancy on his own uh, on his own campaign i'm not sure that you want to be doing that uh at the uh point of the election but i guess 18 yeah, but it shows out, that he's, he's authentic it shows it, it, that he's it okay does. and he answers a question truthfully and he's not a typical politician that'll sidestep stuff he's got a engineering career as well it's what you want you want authenticity i like it yeah it cer certainly it's a, it's it's authentic uh, it's something that mo most people as they don't be a pundit in your own race and uh but uh you know we're we're 18 months out and it, it was really good to hear how open he was about his thoughts on you know on the policy but also the politics of this that's why he comes on our show so that was fantastic
Daniel, I think you made a good point about how big of a blockbuster it is to have Gary McNamara uh, endorse Andrew. And I wasn't sure if it was just a respectful introduction, but if it's a, an endorsement of the candidacy, as I mentioned to Andrew, I think it's actually very smart because for the greater good of Windsor Tecumseh, why not want your MPP at the governing table? But in all fairness, I think Mayor Dilkins kind of did the same thing. When Eric Kuzmierczyk won and Justin Trudeau uh, continued as the prime minister, Drew was right on board with the idea of, well, you know what, we have someone that we can directly speak to in the federal government. And nothing you said wrong, certainly about uh, the conservatives or Chris Lewis, but the, Andrew Scheer didn't win. So if you're talking about the mayors and what they look at as the greater good of their region, you want people at the governing table, whether it be Queens Park or in Ottawa. So good, good for Gary, and, and we'll see how this plays out. Well, uh, speaking of that, why don't you take us from uh, from Windsor to Cumsey to Essex, Al? Okay, I, I got to be straight with you. This uh, this election in, in Essex, I started to see the way it was trending for the last few weeks, and I, I kind of knew the last few weeks that uh, Anthony Leonardi was going to take it. Uh, Chris Vanderdolen came out of the gates just with the strong name recognition and the videos and the, uh, the campaign support, uh, but as it is decided within the party and within the writing, it's about selling memberships, about building your base. I mean, this is almost, to me, it's almost like when Aaron O'Toole won and I saw the, the grassroots, I mean, Peter McKay certainly had more name recognition than, than Aaron O'Toole, but there was a type of grassroots movement that was, that was moving towards that. And that's what I think happened. I will tell you this, I have from very, very good sources that Chris Vander Dolan is just being a, the total gentleman that he is, is on board, fair election, no problem, and uh, on board with Anthony Liardi, wishing him all the best, and, and that's it. And that's what you need. You can't have divided uh, races or divided ridings. Everybody needs to sing Kumbaya, fair election. I mean, I, I want to say you shake hands and move on, but with COVID, you can't shake hands. I believe it was all virtual, and they had a drive-by, very well run by the Essex uh, uh, EDA over there in the president. So Anthony Dardy, congratulations. He gave a nice intro for Anthony, uh, for Andrew Dowie. And the next one is going to be within, I think, a few months, it, we're going to find out who Windsor West is. I think that one there is going to have many candidates. So it, that should be very interesting. Yes, well, it, I think it was a bit of a surprise. Nonetheless, I guess, um, I think, uh, I think that, uh, well, people vote, you know, and uh, candidates reflect uh, their the constituents and the people in their in their in the party. So um, I trust that this is going to be a, an exciting race uh, down the road. We don't know exactly when, and um, I I'm excited already because, of course, in that area, a conservative is uh, on uh, has gotten in on the on the federal level. So I think, in fact. Uh, uh this this bodes very well for the coming uh and and we are very ready let's face it i don't know if uh i think just as with andrew dowie uh for the windsor tecumseh uh provincial uh election he is now they are ready the conservatives are ready in essex they are ready at the federal level and of course that one is much more likely to well to come it will come uh, probably before the provincial one um, unless uh, things uh, change. Uh, I mean, it is a, a minority government and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, pans out. So 
certainly Anthony Liardi beating Chris Vanderdoelen for the nomination in Essex, uh, I think, is a bit of a surprise um, because Chris Vanderdoelen is uh, is is a bigger name because of his time at the Windsor Star and his and the fact that he's a current elected official in Essex. Now, uh, Anthony Liardi has a name for himself as well. He was an elected representative in Amherstburg, um, so you know, isn't a nobody by any means. But I, I think that uh, Chris Vanderdoelen has a bit of a larger than life reputation from his time at the Star. So this is a bit surprising. But the way that nominations work are very different than the way that general elections work. What I will say is that I think that this might ultimately work out better for Doug Ford candidates. Doug Ford is trying to brand himself not simply as sort of an old school pro-business conservative, but also a pro-worker conservative um, and, you know, and trying to be the voice of the common man. And I think that, you know, Chris Vanderdolen has a lot of ink over the years as a journalist and taking a traditional conservative view as opposed to that sort of more modern like Trump working man and Doug Ford working man view. And so it's quite possible that if he was the nominee, some of that would weigh on his candidacy, but might also weigh on the uh, progressive conservatives more generally. So this might actually work out quite well for them. Congrats to Anthony Liardi. Nice guy. guy. I know him as a lawyer um, and best of luck to him as well. It was a very good in-depth analysis, and I think it's something to look out for how the branding of the PC campaign is going to be, and I think you're right on. I think Aaron O'Toole is doing the same thing. The working man's party standing up for workers, and uh, the message there is going to be enough, I think, to take from NDP votes in our region. So let's move on to the topic that's been talked about for, I don't know, 10 years, 8 years, 20 years, single sports betting. This thing has got so many different dynamics from Joe Comartin introducing it to when his retired to Brian Massey taking the lead on it to being introduced to getting it passed in the House of Commons three times on a private member's bill and then dying at the Senate for three years of delays, bringing in all the sports people in and then being reintroduced and then the Liberal Party stopping it in second reading and to now uh, Saskatoon Conservative MP Kevin Wow introducing a private member's bill last February to allow it, working with Brian Massey, because uh, he took over from Windsor West, Brian Massey, and they kind of switched the order of things, so they made it like a co-sponsored bill, to now, all of a sudden, let's put a halt to that. Michigan's already got their single sports betting coming up. They're going to be with FanDuel and, and working on it, and then all of a sudden, years, 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 years later, and too late to have any type of real competitive advantage, the government of the Liberal Party now steps in, gives all the kudos to Eric Krzmierczyk. And uh, of course, you've got the big picture. It's all about the publicity, having the picture in front of Caesars and showing it. And of course, Sandra was in front of Caesars when they did it. I got to tell you, uh, I really don't care who gets the credit. I don't care. Let, let them all have the credit. Who cares? I let the conservatives, uh, like Rick Nichols, or uh, the, uh, the former uh, Niagara Falls, MP that also was introducing it uh, at the time, the Minister of, uh, of Justice. And I can tell you that everybody's in favor of this far more than they're not. So let's just push this through. Let's get it done. It doesn't matter who gets credit or how the history is. Let's get it done for the greater good of Windsor. 
Yeah, funny file. It's certainly been something that everybody has been talking about for a while. It, it, it's it is interesting that you have this uh, this thing that is you know naturally a vice. Now I think that we all agree that yeah, well, but it's going to be a vice regardless of whether the government regulates it and takes some uh, some money from it or if they just uh, continue to have people betting online and in private bookmaking houses. But it was a uh, certainly interesting to see when this news came out. You have Eric taking credit for it. You have Sandra taking credit. For for it. You have Brian taking credit for it. Everybody certainly wants credit for this one. And uh, you I'm know, taking and I, credit too. I brought in Paul Burns back in 2012 from the Gaming Commission into my meeting to start advocating for it. We pushed it along in conservative circles and had it ready for as well. I mean, but yeah, we can all take credit. Who cares? Here's Let's get it done. Yeah. So first off, yes, let's get it done. The other thing I'm interested to see coming out of this is like, is Single sport betting going to be now this will be a provincial regulation piece as opposed to the federal criminal code piece. But I want to see what the province does with this, because are they going to limit this to, you know, to single sport betting at the casino? Or are we going to get to more betting houses like when you like you have in a lot of countries where, you know, you can go into a bar, you can go into a betting house and place your bets there. And, And I think that that will be interesting from a political standpoint, because I suspect that you'll have the NDP provincially saying no this should be protecting good paying union jobs at the casino and where you might have some pushback from the conservatives provincially saying like look restaurants bars hospitality industry are getting crushed because of covid let's add something that they can do so that you can go into a bar or a restaurant and place a bet there and and i think that's going to be something to watch to see you know if if we're just having the casino compete with uh with the detroit casinos i think we've already missed the boat on this um but i'm really interested to see if uh now that the criminal code provision is out and this becomes a provincially regulated industry, what the province is and is not going to allow. That's really interesting what you said uh, there, Daniel. I I didn't realize that this was even a possibility um, that it could go and spill outside of the casino. Of course, I'm sure that the casino um, has every interest of keeping this to themselves. So it'll be interesting where the powers, you know, how this how this uh, evolves. Um, I think I think uh, well. On the one hand, there's an awful lot of betting available already, but on the other hand, I think sports betting uh, was has been out there, and people have wanted it for a very long time. And frankly, I did not understand how come um, we didn't jump the gum and get it before. Uh, Michigan did. So in fact, um, I'm happy now that that they they've pushed it through, um, you know, a little bit. Uh, uh, well, it came it, it all of a sudden seemed to have no no uh, problem getting getting through. Uh, it seems odd that it has taken this long, and certainly uh, this long after uh, uh, well, Michigan, uh, had it. I mean, I thought as soon as Michigan would have it, we would follow suit much more quickly. So, uh, anyways, yes, uh, it doesn't really matter, I guess, who, who takes the credit. The fact is a lot of people have been working on it for quite a while. I can tell you that the craps games was the reason why Windsor very quickly started to get dice games. As soon as the Michigan casinos had dice games, which was apparently illegal in Canada. You can gamble, but some sailors back in the day couldn't throw dice, and that was part of our criminal code. 
uh, very quickly, one line was changed, and next thing you know, casinos can have craps, and people are like, oh, is that why you didn't have it? We thought you didn't have room or something, and you had blackjack, and you had slot machine. You know, it's it's terrible that we constantly have to follow the Americans to push us into, we had the competitive advantage. We had the casino before the Michigan did, but we didn't have dice games. And then we had the ability to get single sports betting before Michigan did for many, many years. But apparently all the NFL and the NHL and all the leagues went up to the Senate and talked about, oh, it could only be in Las Vegas and Nevada. And it turns out that didn't matter. So at the end of the day, we are a dollar short, day late, but at least it's getting done. It looks like it's going in that direction. And the support is from all parties. So uh, as I said, or as I think Al said at the top of this show, when we recorded on Tuesday, as soon as we got done, there were like two or three stories within the hour or two after our uh, after we taped our show. And that's one of the reasons, along with interviewing Andrew at Dowie, that we wanted to bring you a, a bonus episode. Uh, this story, uh, headline from the Windsor Star, City of Windsor returns to in-house waste collection but in the county. So this is a something that we actually talked about a bit on Tuesday, coming out of the Monday insourcing versus outsourcing of City Hall custodian meeting. There was a suggestion that somehow garbage was being back insourced and it wasn't very clear what that was all about. Um, but Tuesday evening, we got a, a Windsor Star article that confirms somewhat of a weird arrangement and I, I apologize if I'm going to possibly misstate what the arrangement is but it sounds to me like through the Essex Windsor Solid Waste Authority the city of Windsor is going to have their QP workers do recycling collection in the county so this will not be in Windsor this will be in the county so in short what you're actually going to have is the county outsourced their recycling collection to the city of Windsor. Um, that's how I understand the story. Um, what had happened here, I guess, was that the prior outsourced um, outsourced contractor was going to raise their rates significantly. So it sounds like the city and the county um, have come to an agreement where the city will provide this service to the county. Um, there's not a ton of details out as to how exactly this is going to work and whether it's a uh, precursor of things to come, but that's the plan here. So you're going to have QP workers, maybe even some of the ones that were uh, that were laid off or whose jobs changed 10 years ago when the city got rid of garbage collection, moving this, well, in-house, but for the county. So I'll have some thoughts on this, but uh, let's go around. Uh, Al, do you even understand what the heck's going on here and any thoughts on it? Of course, I understand it. Everyone's looking at different options when it comes to taxpayers' dollars, and they're looking at trying different things. And at the end of the day, it, it's going to eventually go to the councils to make decisions, and it's going to be up to administration to give their recommendations. It's just very basic protocol stuff. And then I'm happy to see that some of the options entertained with the Windsor services going out to the county. Sometimes it's the other way around. So I'm fine with, with with seeing how this plays out. I trust eventually the elected officials will make the correct decisions based upon a democratic vote. Christine? Well, I, yes, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but here is what I see from it. And that this I think is, is good, a, a very good news. It, it really means that there is a homogeneous system right throughout the county. And I think this is important as we move towards a greener 
um, management of our waste. And as uh, so the way I see it is that if, if everyone is working in, within, within one system, when we go and we have to be, I think by 2025, we need to have a system whereby um, uh, so uh, apparently producers have to be responsible for recycling or something. I don't even know what that means, but I know that there's a requirement that producers take over recycling obligations. Oh, okay. So, so basically, doesn't it have to do also with organic matter, organic waste uh, being uh, uh, so separated from the rest of uh, uh, waste material? So the way I see it, I, I don't know all the details, but I do know that it seems like it's a step in the right direction to make it homogeneous throughout Essex and to create a system whereby waste management can be um, on par everywhere and probably reduce rates for everyone that way. Yeah, so here's my thoughts on this. I actually don't think that at this point this is going to be homogeneous throughout Essex County because these recycling collection workers are going to be city workers but only collecting in the county we'll still have green for life i believe collecting recycling in windsor so it's it's a bit strange it's certainly something that we're going to have to follow in the you know in the coming months and years i expect that this is part of something bigger going on um and it might be trying to do this maybe as a regional um package um, but of course, each of the contracts sort of come up at different times. Um, and, and that's and that's what makes this a bit of a challenge. My view, I certainly have no problem with the city of Windsor taking this on as long as they've appropriately protected themselves to make to make sure that this is going to be a straight pass through of costs to the county. I don't want Windsor to be on the hook with some mess here because either they've underestimated it or because, you know, God knows what in terms of litigation or anything. So I'm hoping that this is covered off to be a full pass through of costs and you know that hopefully Windsor takes a little bit of a profit on top of that the profit's not all that important because ultimately this is creating jobs and it's those good paying jobs rather than the you know outsourced labor jobs so this does create those jobs which is good um, but I think that if the city is going to provide this service to the county the city should get you know a little bit of a profit on that but also I think that the most important thing is that the city's cost should be fully covered now if part of this is that the city needs this to start acquiring trucks or something like that that may be the side benefit that the city is receiving I think that there's more to follow here um, it's a strange and nuanced um, agreement that I think if you read the Brian Cross article from the Windsor Star, um, even, you know, even us who I think read through this stuff regularly recognize like, okay, this is a bit of a weird agreement, but apparently it's starting up come December 1st, um, Windsor's QP workers um, in a city contract will be, con will be collecting the recycling for the county. So that's the story, if we understand that right. And we'll, uh, I'll turn it over to Chris to give us our big COVID update and the reason for this hopefully next week we can start off the show not talking about COVID but we kind of have to do the update for today on the news out of the day so Christine yes well the update is very important as you said we are um, now uh, moving on to under red level restrictions where indoor dining is limited to 10 people and dining must close at 10 p.m with alcohol sales ending an hour earlier Gyms are going to be limited to 10 patrons at a time and indoor social gathering rings 
have a limit of five people. The fact is that Windsor's curve is that famous curve that we were battling with in Mar March and April. It's back and it's back with a with a vengeance. It's a steeper curve than the first time round. That's what our um, health unit uh, uh, Dr. Wajid Ahmed has said. And so um, it is imperative that it be flattened. And in order to flatten it, especially for the holiday season uh, coming up, we really do want to flatten it and to also, um, let's face it, avoid a complete lockdown. Uh, Code Red is not locked down. It keeps businesses and schools open, although we do have two schools in the city that are closed and four, um, four nursing homes that are also um, have had our outbreaks or long-term care and retirement facilities have also outbreaks. We have over 300 cases and 50 uh, today on Friday, we have 50 some new cases today, uh, giving you an idea at the rate at which it's spreading right now. And we really do wonder how it's possible. We just need to continue social distancing, wearing our masks and trying our best to avoid a complete lockdown. I think it's, uh, we got to avoid that complete lockdown for sure. It's almost like, man, at this point, could you laugh? Could you say, did you order the code red? <laughs> I, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it looked like we were going to avoid it, but then they're showing the graph and it's just tough to avoid. So we'll see how this plays out. As always, I, I'm happy we're talking about it now. We're mentioning it and we don't have to mention it on, on our Tuesday show. Uh, yeah, un unfortunate news, but not terribly unexpected, I guess. This is a lot more restrictive. It's not the full lockdown. But for example, I think restaurants are limited to 10 people in total in the entire restaurant. Your own personal table is limited to four people. Um, I think your in-house gatherings are limited to five people. But again, you know, we talked about this last week. The restrictions are very confusing. So if you live with six people, does that mean that you can't have anyone over, you can have four people out of your house, or you got to kick somebody that lives in your house out of your house. A little bit confusing, but I, I think that in general, look, the, the high level takeaway is that we're at red. That means be very careful. It's the second highest from the lockdown, and, and, and that's where we are. So be very careful. Um, you know, you, you, we've got to hunker down in general. And as I agree with Al, uh, hopefully we can avoid talking about COVID on our uh, next week's show. One last thing, and I think we brought this up before. I just don't like the standard numbers. You've got Caesars Windsor that has 10,000 square feet, but they were limited to 50. There are bigger restaurants and there are smaller restaurants. They, I, I don't know if it's a problem with people doing math, okay? But you should have a certain amount of people allowed if it's a larger place, or you could just look at what your fire code capacity is. That'll tell you how many people are in there. And then maybe a ratio of that is permitted as opposed to just a flat number, depending on the rest. Yeah, I, I, guess the other, I guess the other news coming out of this is late breaking news is that Caesars will be closing as of Monday. Again. Yeah, of course so, they uh, can't. It's impossible for them. They tried a 50 and we congratulated for trying thinking it would get better. Yes. All right. Uh, so, this uh, was a fantastic uh Thursday or Friday edition of Windsor's Inside Pulse with Andrew Dowie. Uh, I, I want to do one final wrap up. So, well, I think it was exciting. It was exciting to hear already 
news about an, a forthcoming forthcoming elections. Uh, the uh, the one for the provincial government in about 18 months. And then also, I mean, the one, uh, the federal government, which is a big question mark. We'll see how, how uh, quickly that one will come up. Will it be this spring? Will it be the next, this fall? How long will this minority government last? At any rate, what is nice is that the conservative uh, uh, groups in, in this area are getting, uh, you know, getting uh, their, their ducks in a row. You know what, actually, we could say as well that Sushil Jain uh, made the announcement. He is the chair of the candidate nominating committee for Windsor West uh, Conservative Party, and he actually made the announcement. It was in the Windsor Star, written by Dave Battagello, that, uh, and I'm on the committee as well, we're open to taking applications, and ideally we'd like to receive them by January 15th, at least letters of interest. We're recognizing that the executive director has final say on when to close down, but sooner the better. It's a minority government, and that election is going to happen before the provincial, but we're talking about provincial laying the groundwork because Doug Ford wanted all the candidates to come out early rather than just having like a three months or a six months campaign. You know, we all remember what happened last time, Chris Lewis. I mean, thank goodness he's an MP now uh, for the federal conservative, but he was running up against Tarash Nadishak. Had that election even been one week longer, the trend lines were for him to win. So you want non-incumbent candidates, obviously in place very early on, um, as was done with Essex with Anthony Yardy and, of course, uh, Andrew Dow in Windsor Tecumseh and soon Windsor West. So let's get them all ready. Let's get them all uh, going and, and focused on the election day. So with that said, thank you once again for joining us on Windsor's Inside Pulse. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and join us on Facebook at Windsor's Inside Pulse for show updates and bonus episodes like you just received this week. Thank you for joining us for this special pre-weekend bonus episode. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. And just one final comment. Uh, check out Predict It. It's at 14 cents. I'm predicting 20 uh, within a week. Take care, folks.